0: For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. How many of you know that when Jesus got up in the morning, he didn't have any negative confessions about himself? He didn't. No, he said things like, I am the bread of life. If they had mirrors back then, he looked into a mirror and just said, I am. The bread of life. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me, right? He said, I am the door. Didn't he say that? I am the true vine. I am the light of the world. He didn't say, I am ugly. (laughs) He didn't say, I am afraid. He didn't say, I am poor. He had no negative confessions about himself because he knew who he was and who he is. And so he made wonderful declarations about himself. And so it's important that we recognize our need to make declarations that line up with the word of God about ourselves and not, let's say, about how we see ourselves in the mirror. When you get up in the morning, what's the first thing that you say when you look in the mirror? hmm I'm in need of a shower (laughs) I'm in need of some makeup not me (laughs) and the list goes on and on what about I am redeemed by the blood of the lamb what about I am fearfully and wonderfully made how about that isn't that a good thing to say in the morning I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. I am filled with Holy Ghost's power. And let that list just go on as you look to the Word of God. Instead of looking at yourself and seeing some flaws and that sort of thing and identifying them and saying, I am not happy with the way I look. I am not happy with my nose, my ears, my little balding spot right there. I didn't notice that until I saw that on the baptism. <laughs> you can't see on top of your head. It's like, oh, Ah, praise God. What a revelation. (laughs) We've all been there. Well, most of us, some of us, whatever. I don't know. Where am I going at this? I don't know. I am, though. (laughs) Redeemed. I am delivered. I am healed. I'm set free. I am growing hair. Praise God. (laughs) Amen. Isn't that what our faith is all about? I am more than a conqueror through him that loves me. I am a world overcomer by my faith. And if I am fearfully and wonderfully made by God, then I should be happy with the way I look when I look in the mirror. Because I'm not looking just at who I am in the flesh. But I've been fearfully, wonderfully made by God. I am redeemed. I am a new creation. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Hallelujah. Let's forget this message. Let's just preach on who I am. Amen. Just that's free. Praise God. No charge for that. We've been talking about the doctrine of baptisms. And we got this from the six fundamental principles of the doctrine of Christ. This will be our last lesson on the doctrine of baptisms. Uh, And we talked about the three baptisms. We're baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. We're baptized by a believer in water. Then we're to be baptized by Jesus with the Holy Ghost and fire. Those are the three baptisms spoken of as being foundational principles of the doctrine of Christ. And so thank God that we can be baptized with the Holy Ghost in fire, as well as being baptized into the body of Christ and baptized in water. Well, we talked about the fact that when a person is filled with the Holy Ghost, it's the same as being baptized with the Holy Ghost. Because Jesus said you'll be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence, in Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 2, we see that they were filled with the Holy Ghost, which was the fulfillment of what Jesus said about being baptized with the Holy Ghost. So the only way we can identify what it means to be baptized with the Holy Ghost is to read these verses of Scripture, which we'll get to in just a moment. But, when a person is filled with the Holy Ghost, they will speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. And we'll show you Scriptures once again, but... Let me just say this, we talked about how out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth does what? What's that mean? He speaks what's abundant within his heart. So, you could say that the mouth basically releases what's really dominant inside a person's heart. Have you ever heard someone say, well, he's just full of himself? What's coming out of his mouth? Self. Self. Right? She's full of herself. What's coming out of her mouth? Self. Just talking about self. Constantly talking about self. Well, what about someone that says, uh, let's say, they talk about money all the time. There better be a a concern about is your heart just filled with money and a love for money. I mean, thank God we need it. We understand that. But we can't get to a, a place where we're so full of it that it becomes an evil thing in our lives. And what about, this is a wonderful thing, those grandmothers that love to talk about their grandchildren all the time, they're so full of this love for their grandchildren that they talk about them all the time. It's always coming out of their mouth. There's someone that I know of that is absolutely just filled with and full of a love for sports. I'm telling you, every time we ever have any contact with each other at a certain place, I stand there for 15 to 20 minutes just very politely listening to everything he knows about sports. (laughs) And it just rolls out of them. How about this one? I remember one preacher saying that he was sitting down with a bunch of other preachers and this one person in particular was just giving joke after joke after joke after joke after joke. He said, I couldn't even repeat one. He was so full of this desire, I guess, to be funny. He filled himself up with all these jokes. And then this particular minister started quoting the word. And this other person said, I wish I could quote the word like that. He goes, well, I wish I could tell a joke maybe like you do. I'd rather be known for being full of the word and the spirit than just telling jokes. What about you? Amen. So you're getting the idea that when a person is filled with... Full of the Spirit, abundant in Spirit, it will manifest through the mouth. In other words, they will speak with other tongues as we see in Scripture. So the mouth is the outlet, so to speak, for the heart. What's dominant in the heart will come out of the mouth. Now, that being said, I'm going to talk about speaking with other tongues and why it's so important that every believer should be filled with the Spirit and speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. So, number one, we see that it's the evidence that a person has been filled with the Holy Ghost. So let's, let's look at Acts chapter 2. And I want you to get a hold of this because it's, it's more important than we think. As a matter of fact, right now, we should be so mindful of this because some things that need to take place that are happening in the world today for change to take place is going to require spiritual power, not political power. Not intellectual power. Not military power. It's going to take spiritual power from on high in order to correct some things that are taking place. It could be in your life, your family. It could be with your children. It could be in our church. It could be in the community. It's going to take supernatural power. And Jesus said, You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So let's read these verses. And they were all what? Filled with the Holy Ghost and did what? Began to speak with other tongues. Why? Because the mouth is the outlet for the heart. And when the heart is filled with and full of the Holy Ghost, they will speak. And I didn't do this. Peter didn't do it. James didn't do it. John didn't do it. They were just there. Who did it? God did. He sent, Jesus sent the Holy Ghost... And fire set upon each of them. So if someone wants to define what it means to be filled with the Holy Ghost or baptized with the Holy Ghost, there it is right there. Acts 2, verse 4, right there. So they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Look in Acts chapter 10. Now it's important to remember that was the Jewish camp. Why is that important? Because there's only two people groups on the earth. The Jews and Gentiles. So the Jews, when they were filled with the Holy Ghost, what did they do? How was it released with other tongues? Correct? Did I make that up? Who initiated it? God did. Who was the baptizer? Jesus. Now, this is the house of Cornelius, who was the centurion of the Italian band. What does that mean? He's a Gentile. Now, he was a Gentile who honored God, who prayed, Fasted, gave alms, and God recognized that. So he tells Cornelius to send for Peter and bring him down. He's going to tell you words whereby you can be saved. So Peter goes to his house and he begins to preach the gospel. While he's preaching the gospel, here it is. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Now remember, these Jews didn't believe that the Gentiles could possibly experience this. And they of the circumcision, which believed, were astonished. Does that sound like that they were believing for it? No. They were astonished, as many as came with Peter. Why? Because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. How did they know? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. You know, speaking in tongues magnifies God. Then answered Peter, is there anyone that can forbid water that these shouldn't also be baptized? And they were baptized in water. But notice once again, the Gentiles now, when they got baptized with the Holy Ghost by Jesus, what was the outlet when they were filled? They spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, let's go 23 years after Pentecost in Acts chapter 19, verse 6. Paul had laid hands on these people. And the Holy Ghost came on them, and what did they do? They spoke with tongues and prophesied. There are two other instances in the Bible, in Acts chapter 8 and 9, where they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and the implication is they spoke with other tongues as well. As a matter of fact, when someone thinks of the Apostle Paul, he made a declaration he spoke in tongues more than you all, everyone combined, when he got filled with the Holy Ghost. So if you put all these testimonies together, what do we discover? Everyone that was filled with the Holy Ghost spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Why has that been lost to the church over all these years? Why has it seemed as though that when you are a Spirit-filled believer who speaks with other tongues, you're looked down upon in society? Even within the church? The denominational churches. Oh, that's of the devil and so on and so forth. But it doesn't make any sense to me. It's clearly what God did. It's what God initiated. For 24 years I sat in church and never heard this. Knew nothing about it. So what happened? The devil was doing his job to keep people from operating in Holy Ghost fire power. Can you see that? This is exactly what he wanted to do. So number one is... It's the initial evidence that a person has been filled with the Holy Ghost. And let me just, before I go to point two, make this very clear. There are three manifestations of tongues or diversities of tongues mentioned here in the Bible. And these people that oppose this will say, see, it says right here, Paul said not everybody speaks in tongues. That's not what he said. He didn't mean that with regard to devotional tongues. So what are the three? Number one, there are sign tongues. Tongues are for a sign, and there are sign tongues in which a person will speak out possibly in a language he doesn't know, but the other person knows as a sign to that person that this is God in operation. That's a sign tongue. Number two, there are ministry tongues, where someone may give a tongue in a congregation like this, or even in in an evangelistic meeting somewhere, and someone interprets it. And that's fine, that's called ministry tongues. So you've got sign tongues, you've got ministry tongues. But then the third one is devotional tongues. And every child of God should be, according to Jesus, filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking with other tongues in his or her devotional life. So you separate those three and you see there's three different things going on here. But the one I'm referring to is devotionally. Every child of God should be spirit-filled and the outlet speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives utterance devotionally because you're baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire by Jesus. So if we've been baptized into the body and baptized in water, why would we just not want to go further and be baptized with the Holy Ghost as well? Number two. It's our spirit speaking directly to God. Look in First Corinthians chapter fourteen and verse two. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongues speaketh not unto men. Who said that? Paul the apostle said that. So are you speaking to men? Now, if you are doing using a sign tongue, you might be. I've had that happen. But you see, you're not speaking to men. When you're speaking your devotional language, you're speaking to God, but unto God. For no man understands him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. So, when a person speaks with other tongues, he is speaking by the Spirit, in the Spirit. And what is he speaking? The word mysteries there, it means divine secrets. He is speaking divine secrets. So, if you look at it this way, God has imparted to every single one of us Everything we need for success in life. On the inside, we've been born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, washed in the blood, and all the things that come along with the works of Jesus, all that He did for us, is on the inside, every promise. That also means this on the inside, we have the will of God already given to us, the plan of God already given to us. But where is it? It's on the inside. So as you and I engage ourselves in praying in the spirit, we're speaking not to man, but to God. And as we speak to God, there's a stirring in our spirit. You know what it does? It moves within our spirit up into our souls. It takes what is on the inside of us and makes it understandable to us in our thinking. So the more a person will, more time a person will spend in praying in the Holy Ghost, he is working and cooperating together with the Holy Ghost. To get what's on the inside to come up into his understanding and thinking. So he can get direction for his life. So he can have a revelation of the plan of God for his life. So he can have clarity in his life. This is the way, walk ye in it. So it helps us perceive, understand, and know some things that God's deposited on the inside. Now, why is that important? Because God witnesses to our spirits He directly speaks to our spirits. Things that come from the outside can be very dangerous for us. But the things that come from within are of God and they're not dangerous. They're beneficial and they're helpful. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and let's start with verse 13, 14, 15. Therefore, the person who speaks in an unknown tongue should pray for the power to interpret and explain what he says. When's the last time we've done that? Father, I want to know what I'm saying. I want a revelation of what I'm saying. I want understanding of what I'm saying. If you understood it, why would you have to pray for an interpretation of it? You wouldn't. Verse 14. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit, by the Holy Spirit within me, prays. But my mind is unproductive. It bears no fruit and helps nobody because it doesn't know what's being said. Then what am I to do? Notice, I will pray with my spirit, by the Holy Spirit that is within me, but I will also pray intelligently with my understanding and mind and understanding. I will sing with my spirit, by the Holy Spirit that is within me, but I will sing intelligently with my mind and understanding also. So what is he saying? I'm going to use both. I'm an educated individual, he would say, and I know certain things. I know biblical truth. I know how to pray etc cetera, etc cetera. but he said, but there's some things I don't know I'm unlimited when it comes to a lot of things so if I can only go by my understanding I will limit the activity of God in my life but if I by faith believe that I'm speaking divine secrets to God and there's an interaction between my spirit and the Holy Spirit within me, then I'm giving him the opportunity to do what? Take what's on the inside and make it intelligible to me. So I can understand it. So I can know. So I can perceive what's, say, what God wants done in my life. So it's important that we recognize that there's an interaction between our spirit and the Holy Spirit. And he will cause our minds to understand certain things that God would have us to know. But now look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 also in verse 9. If you just read verse 9, you're going to get stuck. But you've got to add verse 10 to it. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. I first heard those words right there that I just read, verse 9, by Brother Jose Feliciano when I was working as a crane operator in the Youngstown Sheet and Tube Company in Youngstown, Ohio. That verse lit a fire in my bones when he said that. He quoted that verse to me and I I just stood there looking at him. You know what I said to myself? I want to know scripture like that. I went and got my Bible and I went at it. And I began to study it. It It took me a while because you see, I didn't know that verse. But after a while, when I saw him next, I said, but. He said, what do you mean? I said, but. But what? But God hath revealed them to us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all the things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him. Even so the things of God knows no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So I said, if you stop at verse 9, then it's like, you never saw it, you never heard it, you can't have it inside, you don't even know anything about it. Uh Uh-uh. He was saying, yeah, there's a lot more on the other side, we understand that. But God, by His Spirit, has done what? Revealed them to us, inwardly. And as we pray in the Spirit, once again, we move them from spirit to soul. And then we start seeing some things. I see it now. That's what you want me to do, Lord. I got it. I see it. It could give birth to your faith to receive something from God. This is what I want you to do. That's how I want you to pray. So the value of praying in the spirit is beyond anything we could possibly imagine. Because once again, our interaction is with God in spirit. Who then creates understanding in our lives. Number three. It's a means of self-edification. Now, the word to edify or edification in the Greek, if you go back, it's like an archaeological term. We could say it like this. Has anybody ever added on to their house? Anyone? Am I the only one that's ever added on to my house? Raise your hand if you've ever added on to your house. Added on an addition. I'm looking at my son here. His house started when it was like this, and now it's like this. Uh, and he's learned how to do a whole lot, you know. Well, what happened when you added on to your house? You expanded your square footage, you enlarged your borders, you enlarged your tent, you made more room for the children's toys, for company to come over. Right, you've done something to enlarge. You could say the capacity that you have within your home. Maybe to bless other people. We added a room in our house, and so on. So you understand that. Well, that word is talking about this. When you pray in the Holy Ghost, you're adding something to your life spiritually, a greater capacity for spiritual revelation is coming into your being. You're enlarging your borders, your tents. You're making it possible for God to even do more and give more and to make you more of a blessing. That's why I believe the more we pray in the Spirit, we have a greater capacity to manifest spiritual gifts and their operation in our lives. You see, the more we pray in the Holy Ghost, we give place to the Spirit's operation And we increase our spiritual capacity. So as a result of doing that, praise God, we can have special faith, gifts of healing, working in miracles, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits can all manifest because you're enlarging your capacity for revelation and for being used by the Holy Ghost. If I don't do that, I can minimize and stay in my small little house. If I'm satisfied with that, that's fine. Who wouldn't want to enlarge their spiritual capacity? We all should. Well, look at this one. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 18. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than ye all. He was from the South. You know that. Anyhow. Wait a minute. Paul, you spoke in tongues more than ye all? These Corinthians were known for being a bunch of tongue talkers. And if you look it up, probably in the more literal Greek, what he said was, I speak in tongues more than all of you put together. Who had a greater revelation than Paul did? Not too many, if any, maybe only Jesus. Could it be that since he wrote two-thirds or more than half of the New Testament, that a lot of his revelation also came as he applied himself to praying with other tongues, speaking with other tongues, giving himself to God to enlarge his spiritual capacity so we can receive a greater revelation from God? Remember, it works with us cooperating together with God. We do realize that, don't we? It's not apart from God. In other words, if I don't want to add on to my house... I don't have to. I don't have to. But if I want to, then he'll engage me. I can, and I should. So when we pray with other tongues, what are we doing? We're edifying ourselves, or we're enlarging our spiritual capacity so that we can be a greater blessing to the body of Christ by doing so. We can help others, we can bless others. You know, when we study in the natural, we know that we increase our, let's say, mental capabilities because we learn more and more and more. And that's wonderful. But praying in tongues, what do we do? We increase our spiritual capacity. Number four, it assists us in our prayer lives. And this is really what I want to get to. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities or inabilities. How many of you know that we have some inabilities living in the natural body that we're living in? Actually, you could say that our mentality is really somewhat of a disability, because we're limited in our natural understanding. We have finite limitations, so in that regard, you could say we're disabled when it comes from, when it comes to knowing more out there that's to be known. Okay. So, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. He didn't say we don't know how to pray. We don't know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself or himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Look at those two verses together. We sometimes don't know what we should pray for as we ought. So what did Paul say we ought to do? Pray with your understanding with your mind and intellect, and pray with your spirit that goes beyond your understanding because it has a greater capacity for spiritual revelation. So, if I'm praying for a loved one that might not be walking with God or walked away from God, I could use my natural understanding and say, I bind the demonic activity that's caused this person to to do whatever they're doing. And I stand against it. And that's, that's fine, that's well. Or I'm I'm asking you, Father, to make hard the bars of my gates and protect my family from within, from any loss, harm, damage, injury, or whatever. I'm asking you to do that, and I believe I receive that. But how many of you know that God's a little bit smarter than I am? And a little bit smarter than you are. Correct? He knows exactly what needs to be prayed out. He knows exactly what needs to be targeted and so I may say that, Lord, open up their eyes. I bind the darkness that blinds them. I release the power of your Spirit. And I believe that they're going to receive the light of the, of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And that's fine. I can pray that way. But there can be something more that needs to be prayed out. So when I then shift over and say, now, Holy Spirit, help me. Take hold together with me against my inabilities to produce results. And pray out through me the Father's perfect will in this matter. What am I doing now? I'm engaging the Holy Spirit. I'm allowing him to pray through me the Father's will in a perfect sense. It bypasses my disability, which is what? I don't know everything. And then God can go to work in a more powerful way. In that person's life. Why wouldn't I want that? If you recall the testimony of Charles Finney, how many of you heard of Charles Finney? Charles Finney was a tremendous evangelist who would go from city to city and evangelize the different cities. Before he would ever go, he would commit himself to prayer. And also, he had an individual by the name of Father Nash who would go sometimes even before him and he would just get into a hotel room and get on his face. On one occasion, going into a city, Father Nash went into a hotel, locked the door, and was on the floor in prayer, in groaning and praying out to God, as that verse just said there. The Holy Ghost giving you something, a groaning, something that you can't articulate, but you're praying out of your spirit. And the one maid was so concerned because... After three days, he, he was still there doing that, and she said she listened by the door, and she heard this groaning taking place. What's going on? And so when Charles Finney came along, and she said, I don't know what to do. I knocked on the door, opened up the door, and there he was laying on the ground, groaning in prayer. He said, oh yeah, don't be concerned about it. That's just he's alone with God, because we're, we're expecting revival here. And you know what? Everywhere he would go into the cities, He didn't have to pull down ruling religious spirits. He didn't have to do spiritual warfare like flying in a plane. Everywhere he went, the people of the city got saved in large numbers and stayed walking with God as they did their follow-up work afterwards. You see, the key is prayer. It's joining forces together with God to accomplish His purposes in the earth. But we don't always know what to pray for as we ought because we are limited by our finite understanding. But when we give ourselves to prayer as He did and they did, and you're praying in the Holy Ghost, you're engaging the Spirit of Almighty God who knows a whole lot more than we do. Can you see why the enemy does not want God's people praying in the Holy Ghost? Because now you're limited to your understanding. But when you're praying in the Holy Ghost, thank God Almighty, you're joining forces together with the greatest force on the planet. It's Holy Ghost fire. And you're engaging His work in your life, and ministry, in your family, whatever. So you're praying with your understanding, but you're also praying with the Spirit. Number five, it impacts our faith. It impacts our faith. Look at Jude 20. In Jude 20... But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, how? Praying in the Holy Ghost. So once again, as you look at the scriptures and you read terminology like this, praying in the Spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost, what's he talking about? Praying in other tongues. Someone says, no, that just means praying with more gusto no no, it's not praying with more gusto no it's praying with other tongues it's groaning in the spirit and you're building yourself up on your most holy faith now this word here building yourself up actually means to charge yourself up the other one meant to expand your borders this one means to charge yourself up now how many of you have a cell phone I should say how many of you don't have a cell phone Did you notice that if you use it for a lengthy period of time, that it will finally get down to the place where it's red? And when it's in the red, it means your battery is so low, you're going to lose service here in a little bit. So what do you do with it? You charge it up. You build it up. You build up the charge so that it'll be functional for you. Well, this is what he's saying. Our faith, this next verse in in 1 Peter 1.7, talks about our faith being precious. Precious let's read it. First Peter 1:7, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, your faith being tried with fire, because it's precious, it's valuable, might be found to the praise and honor and glory and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Your faith is precious. Your faith is valuable. Your faith is more valuable and precious than anything you possess or I possess. Why? Because by grace are you saved through what? Faith. If it were not for the faith that you have, you wouldn't be saved. Is that not valuable? Is that not precious? Isn't that the most precious thing we all have? Because of your faith, you're saved. And you'll be in God's kingdom eternally. But your faith that's so precious can be what? Built up. It can be built up so that we can be used by our faith to accomplish the purposes of God. So it's important we recognize that by praying in the Holy Ghost, I am building myself up on my most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So it could be, let's say, it could be for, for receiving something from God, applying biblical principles in our lives. Believing for what we're bleeding for in Afghanistan. I mean, the list goes on and on. Look at the next one. It helps control that little member called the tongue. Anybody here ever have a problem controlling your tongue? Anyone ever really wish you could just pull some of those words back after they've escaped and they're just going out there and you try to reel them in to no avail, but this is never going to happen? Do you remember King David when King David said that I held my peace I held my tongue I didn't say anything and as I held my lips closed tight I was musing within me and then finally I burst out and I said a lot of things I shouldn't have said have you ever been there before? can you relate to uh, King David? Uh, we can all relate to that And and you really wish you could reel them back in but you can't you know, it's like the feathers that fly in the air. You just can't, you just can't do it. Okay, it helps tame this unruly member of ours called the tongue. Look in the book of James chapter 3 and verse 8. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Whoa. There is that speaks like the piercing of a tongue, of a Sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. What is he saying? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Words can hurt or words can help. Words can build or words can destroy. Think about your own self image, who you are in Christ. I'm a, I'm a failure. If you keep saying you're a failure, you invite failure into your life. I'm unsuccessful. If you keep saying I am unsuc- unsuccessful, what are you doing? You're inviting. Failure to follow you in your life. If you say, I am blessed, what are you inviting? The blessing of God to follow you. I am empowered. I am strong in the Lord and the power of His might. You say, but what if that's not naturally true? Does it matter when it's spiritually true? Who are we going to believe, ourselves or God? If God said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, it doesn't matter what I look like in that mirror. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Can you see that? If you say, I am so weak, that might be a natural truth. But you could say, I am strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Right? Oh, there's just no help for me. Really? The Lord said, I will never leave you nor forsake you that you may boldly say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do to me. Amen. Can we see that? So the tongue is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. And the sad part about it is we poison ourselves and don't even recognize it. I'm just saying how I feel. I know. We walk by faith, not by feelings. That's the whole point. And we're all victimized by that. We realize that. But there's there's a message in itself. Look at the last one. We'll close here. It reminds us of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Look in the book of Ephesians chapter 5 verse 17. The apostle Paul talks about maintaining a spirit-filled life. We can be filled with fear, filled with worry, filled with anxiety, filled with doubt, filled with unbelief, filled with whatever, whatever, whatever comes down the pike. Or we can do this. Wherefore be ye not unwise. But understanding what the will of the Lord is. But well, what's the will of the Lord? Be not drunk with wine where is, wherein is excess. But be filled with the Spirit. In the Greek it's be being filled with Spirit. The Spirit, it's a continuous action. Be being filled with the Spirit. How? Speaking to yourselves. Yes, the Bible promotes speaking to myself. <laughs> Who are you talking to? Me. Didn't David talk to himself? Bless the Lord, all oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. He did, didn't he? Well, we can do the same thing, can't we? Speak to ourselves how in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord, giving thanks always unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So how do I maintain a spirit-filled life? See, think about it. If I have to maintain it by doing this, then apparently it can ooze out of me. Can it not ooze out of us and be replaced with worry, anxiety, fear, doubt, unbelief, etc., etc.? I'm, I'm, I'm telling you right now. Put on your television set and I guarantee you f- just write fear all over the screen. F-E-A-R Fear. Think about it. This whole thing even with COVID people are so confused they have no, don't know which way to turn. People are losing their jobs because they refuse to take let's say the vaccine. The vaccine. Healthcare workers, many of them have refused, and they're losing their jobs. When has our government ever mandated, go get a flu shot or you lose your job? Ever has that ever happened before? No. Why now? Look, I just share with you how a young girl just took the second shot and died. Okay, so let's say the person says, I don't want to, I don't want to take that chance. Another one, unable, let's say, it affected their ability to have, it, let's say, for pregnancy. They may say, no, it doesn't but has it been tested has it been proven what's the point you and I got to make decisions based on what we believe what our convictions are but you're not going to have the other side of it if all you do is listen to the news reporters. I'm telling you right now even the medical field they're up in confusion about it much confusion out there so what do we do we look to God, make, your, make up your own mind as to what you're going to do. Make your decision. To, but why should they mandate you, you're fired? if, you, if you, This person has worked with COVID constantly and have a, has an immune system that works and they've not contracted it at all. So why mandate the person do that and say you lose your job? We could really meddle. I'm going to go one step further before I close here. I really am inclined to do so people of today, it's time to look in a mirror and say, I am a man. And I am a woman. And if I think otherwise, then I will get the help that I need. Okay? And that is no condemnation of putting anybody down. You're dealing with, I believe, unclean spirits that are out there trying to manifest themselves in human lives. And it's time to realize that. And you know what? If that's the problem, then get on your face, get on your knees before God, and get filled with the Holy Ghost and pray this out in the Spirit and you'll find out He'll show you exactly who you are. There's where the answer lies. Can you say amen to that? Amen. So, there's help for all of us. So what's the conclusion? Is this. Have you been baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ? That means you're a born again child of God, right? Number two. Have you been baptized in water by a believer? Then praise God. Then you've uh, observed number two. The second baptism. The doctrine of baptisms. Number three. Have you been baptized by Jesus with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues? If you have, praise God, then you have. And if you haven't, all I'm saying is you should. It's up to you. You should. If you want to enlarge your capacity, your spiritual capacity, then you should. Also, because of obedience, you should. Can you say amen? Amen. Let's all stand together before the Lord.